Hi, this is Tia Sarkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it becomes a desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this epic more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Twin Suns Transmission. My name's Eric, joined as always by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey guys. Welcome to episode 194. We're going to be talking all about chapter 16 of The Mandalorian, the season 2 season finale. But before we do that, Jesse, I would like to tell a story. Um, And when I was 13 years old, my parents decided that they were going to take me to Star Wars Weekends. And we didn't really even know about Star Wars Weekends before 2003. But I was the type of person that would go to school and I would get made fun of for whatever, the way I walked, the way I looked, whatever, you know, what I brought to school. Um, and I go home and Star Wars was always there. It was always something that I could latch on to. And the only other person that I knew that was around my age that was into it was my cousin. And I think he got a little, I don't know, I don't want to say annoyed of like hanging out with me all the time, but like he was the only person that I felt like I could hang out with because he liked Star Wars and we didn't play Star Wars every time. Occasionally I would, you know, break my lightsaber on one of my action figures and get frustrated and not want to play. Um, but that was always something that I enjoyed. And so my parents decided that they were going to take me to Star Wars weekends in 2003. And there was one day that stuck out in particular, and this was Saturday, June 7th. Uh, in 2003 and it was the first day it was either the first or second day of Star Wars weekends that I went to and they had this special fan breakfast and as time went on you had to be part of the fan club to go to these special breakfasts but I was 13 I don't think I was part of the fan club at that time Star Wars community wasn't like it is now back then I mean that was what 17 years ago and, you know, you think about the big celebrations and stuff like that. I mean, I think they the first celebration might have been in 2000 or 1999 or something like that with episode one. But for all the new fans out there or relatively new, the community was not like this all the time. There were It seemed like there were less fans. Um, it wasn't as popular as it is now. Like everyone and their mother has seen The Mandalorian. And less accessible, probably, too. Yeah, Talk yeah. Less um, social media and all that. With all of the streaming services and everything we have now. But I went to this breakfast, this fan breakfast, with my father. And I sat down at our seat. We went to the Brown Derby, which was a restaurant and still is a restaurant inside Disney's Hollywood Studios. Uh, back then, it was called Disney's MGM Studios. 
And I sat down and at my table, at my seat, there were two action figures in front of me. And I looked at them and I was like, this is a Boba Fett and a Chewbacca action figure. And these are really cool and I don't have them. And I'm very excited about getting these. And I can't remember if I knew ahead of time or not, but Peter Mayhew, the guy behind Chewbacca, and Jeremy Bullock, the guy behind Boba Fett, were there at this fan breakfast signing autographs. And they called each table up individually and you could bring your action figures, or I guess if you had something else, you could bring it up and get it signed. And I got to meet, for the first time ever, people who brought to life some of these characters that I had been watching on TV as a kid for years, for eight years, growing up watching them. And it was something that just sparked my joy for the franchise even that much more because I got to see the people behind these characters and obviously uh, we know Peter Mayhew uh, within the last couple years he passed away and within the last couple days Jeremy Bullock passed away and it really hit me very hard because he was the first person or the first you know yeah the first actor that I had met from the Star Wars movies and one of the very first autographs I met and now I have countless autographs and have met countless Star Wars actors and actresses, but it kicked everything off for me. And so it was really hard to hear that Jeremy Bullock had passed away. And throughout the years, I've seen him multiple times, met him multiple times, got my photo with him. And so it, it sucks that he he uh, passed away at the young age of 75. It's today's world, that's not that old. Yeah, it's always, you know, whenever... It's somebody who is so involved and so integral to what brought the magic to something like Star Wars that is so nostalgic to so many people, such as yourself, you know, from your childhood. When when those people, you know, pass away for whatever reason, it, it just, even though we don't know them, you know, on a personal level, like, you know, a, a friend or a family member, it just still hits so hard because it's just it's they're they're a part of something you hold so dear and they're a part of something that represents so much more than just entertaining you know movies um so it's it's really tough yeah and boba fett i mean in the original trilogy did not have a giant role by any means but when you go to these conventions or you even watch videos of interviews or anything you feel like you become more things become more personal when you hear about their experiences and you hear about their stories when you know about not just what you see on screen but more of like just their experiences on set and what their family's like and you know the first experiences like even John Boyega I remember and I'll always remember his story that he told about telling his dad about Star Wars and, you know, dad, 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 I got the Star Wars role. That's fantastic, son. That's so exciting. What is Star Wars? Yeah. You know, like I'll always remember <laughs> John Boyega for that reason. And so many other actors and actresses who have been in Star Wars have stories like that because it's such an honor to be a part of something so grand that, you know, you just can't help but, but feeling like you're more involved in these people's lives than you really are you know yeah they're a part of what 
humanizes and connects you to to such an alien, fantastical sci-fi world. Yeah. Um, so it's it's really about those human connections and and how it relates to our real lives that that makes stuff like this hit so hard. Yeah. Well, obviously it's sad, and our thoughts and prayers and uh, positive vibes are with Jeremy's family and friends. talk about something a little bit more a little happier jesse 2020s brought us a lot of sad things but not related to the mandalorian this episode mm-hmm. was the finale of season two titled the rescue directed by peyton reed and we have so many great things to discuss when talking about the mandalorian of course we're going to be talking about the episode in detail which will include spoilers so if you have not seen the episode turn back now but Jesse, just basic thoughts on the rescue. What'd you think? <laughs> I have you ever just like had so many thoughts that you have no thoughts whatsoever? Has that like ever happened <laughs> to you? It's just all a, a jumbled mess in your brain. I just it was just so overwhelming in so many good ways that I was just speechless I feel like for hours after I watched it like I didn't even know what to say people were texting and Ahsoka me wasn't even in this one I know I it's just that's that's my overall if I can sum it that is just how I felt after this it was so great and I just felt overwhelmingly overjoyed with how good it was and I just I, I was just like overwhelmed and it took me hours to form any thoughts or notes on (laughs) what I was gonna say or how I felt about it I just knew that it was fantastic yeah um I always have to work on Fridays and so a lot of times people will either come into the store or text me or whatever about the episode or at least things about it I do my best to stay off social media but um you know, occasionally you'll hear things, oh, there's an end credit scene, or, oh, this is, you know, this is the one with the Mandalorian has the biggest cameo yet, and it's like, oh, man, like, even just little things like that <laughs> kind of ruin it, you know? So, let's go ahead and talk about this episode. It begins exactly where the last one ends. We have our group of people that are heading after Moff Gideon in pursuit of the child to rescue him, hence the name of the episode, The Rescue. And during their during their uh, attempted mission, of course, much like last episode, they're recruiting people, Bo-Katan and her partner there, Casca Reeves. But the beginning of the episode, we see Mando and Enslave One with... Um, Fennec Shand and Boba Fett, of course, Cara Dune, and they're in pursuit of this Imperial shuttle with Dr. Pershing, and um, A leads to B, B leads to C, and of course they take out the guys that are, the Imperial guys that are in the, the shuttle, leaving Dr. Pershing alive, and with his help, and of course, you know, they they recruit Bo-Katan and Casca in the process, uh, finally make their way towards Gideon's ship. But there was a kind of a interesting little battle there uh, while recruiting Bo uh, with Boba and Casca Reeves. What did you think about that little little scuffle? I thought it was really cool. It was very cool to watch. You know, two Mandalorians really 
you know, showdown um, in live action, I feel like, for the first time, at least in my memory um, that I can think of. I feel like that's the first time we've seen them fight each other in live action. Um, so I thought that was very cool to see all, all their little gadgets and gizmos in action up against each other. Um, but it was really interesting. I like that they... I like that Bo-Katan, you know, recognizes in that moment that, you know, she's fought with clones and she can tell he's a clone and all of that stuff was just kind of like put out on the table to let everybody know that it's, it's just, it's a known thing amongst this, you know, group. Um, so I, I did think that that was a cool little just way to put all that information on the table and show that, that he's not really an accepted part of what I feel like the show is going to launch off into. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that Boba didn't just beat her up real quick right away. Like, you build all these characters up. Like, even the battle with uh, the magistrate Morgan Elizabeth going up against Ahsoka earlier in the season. Like, you're thinking, like, Ahsoka would have just beat the crap out of her so fast you know um (laughs) and the same kind of situation here like boba fett just should have won already you know um (laughs) now we don't know a lot about this Cosca reeves character um played by sasha banks but we did see in the third episode of this season her jump and save the child from that big creature i can't remember exactly what the creature's name is but she's she's got it uh got some pretty serious talent so Um, maybe there's more to her than we know, but I think with Bo, it's more about tracking Gideon and getting the dark saber than it is helping Mando rescue the child. Yeah, I, I agree. I think everything she has done to help them has been to, to get an advantage on her end goal. Um, not to say that I don't think she cares about the kid at all. I think anyone who looks at that little face, like you can't not want to do something to help that little face. Um, but I, it's it's all about, she's she always has to put something in there where she's like, well, I'll help you if you help me do this next thing. So it is definitely just, she has a very one track mind um, to get to Gideon. I, 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 I think she's, it, it's, it's almost like she's acquiring a team like we're putting together a team. I feel like a lot of the show is just kind of rearranging and regathering different sets of teams to do different sets of jobs, which is kind of cool. Um, but she, I feel like, is right now just gathering everyone she can to to do this Mandalore thing, which I'm kind of hoping is kind of where the next season is going. Yeah, I think... I'm very excited to see where the next season goes because, of course, much like last season, you get left with this cliffhanger and and to see, you know, they they leave you at this cliffhanger and you want to know more. You want to know what happens next. You want to know about where these characters are going to go now. And and I think Bo bringing her into live action and then just sort of ending the story there definitely makes you want more about her story and where that's going to go. So we'll see what happens. But in this episode, Jesse, they come up with this plan to board Moff Gideon's ship and, and Boba takes off. He, he plays his part and then he takes off. But the women lead the way on this. There's a lot of action, a lot of shooting, a lot of dead stormtroopers, dead bucketheads, right? They, <laughs> I mean, they're going up against this, you know, I think, what does Gideon say? Impressive fire squad or something like that. 
They've got Cara Dune, Fennec Shand, Cosca Reeves, Bo-Katan, all just kind of paving the way for Manda for the Mandalorian to, um, you know, make his way toward the child. They're just taking out these guys like no problem. But in my opinion, one of the most interesting scenes, Jesse, is that scene with the Mandalorian going to the brig where the child is being held with Moff Gideon sitting there. Now, Moff Gideon, I don't know about you, but I was a little surprised at his sort of lash out there. They made this deal, right? You can have the child. I already got what I wanted from him. You can have him as long as you just leave and we go about our separate ways. It's like, okay, I feel like Moff Gideon might be honorable in this situation. He seems like the guy that, that might actually honor that deal. But he then just took that swing at Mando, and I was a little surprised by that. I, I wasn't. I, I feel like the whole time he was making that deal, I actually felt the opposite, where I was like, why? Like, why is it all of a sudden, um, why would he all of a sudden be different? Because we know before, you know, they ran out of blood relatively quickly from the last time they had had the child. Um, cause we know that, you know, the, the second time Mando had got him in season one, he was all hooked up to machines. So I would assume that they would have drawn more blood right away as soon as they got him. Um, so it seems like they ran out of what they needed from him relatively quickly. Doesn't, as far as we've heard, doesn't sound like they've accomplished whatever goal they're doing with the blood, unless maybe they have, and that's why he was more whatever about it. Um, but I, I was really skeptical when he was like oh sure we can just make a deal because this is the guy that he doesn't he he's very self-serving he doesn't care about his own people he doesn't care about anyone else except for what gets him to the top is kind of how I view him um so I wasn't very surprised I was kind of expecting something like that to happen because otherwise I didn't know where it was going to go from there other than maybe Bo-Katan coming in and standing off with him instead. But it, it, it made sense to me. Yeah. Well, as you said, you know, he's a very selfish person. Did they accomplish what they needed to? Gideon says they got what they wanted. Um, and one line that I thought was kind of interesting, and we talked a little bit about this um, after I think it was the fourth episode maybe um, with Cara Dune and Grief Karga, where we get to see sort of the facility on Navarro that the Empire has there. And uh, we had talked about the potential of them needing the blood for Snoke or something, right? We had talked about it being for Snoke and then playing the Snoke theme sort of in that scene or whatever. But Gideon says something to this extent. He says the child's blood has properties that have potential to bring order to the galaxy and so to me that made me think immediately of the first order and probably right. snoke by extension right definitely i 100 percent agree in that that's why it's like maybe they had a breakthrough in this amount of time that they've had him but i kind of i don't know i'd have to think more about that but i kind of doubt it i feel like it was all just a ploy um, especially the way he was like, you can assume that I know everything. I know that you're out of whatever rocket launchers. I know that you're with Bo-Katan. Like 
he just he's like a chaotic thrawn i guess you could say um where he just seems like he has all of his little pieces on the board you're doing he knows what you're doing and he's thinking three steps ahead about how he's thinking about already how he'd rather go up against the mandalorian than bo-katan he's trying to pit them against each other in that little conversation too because he's calling he knows the mandalorian is honorable that's something that everybody pretty much knows about him just based off of the fact that he was a bounty hunter that decided not to to take his bounty and to save his bounty instead. So they all know he's honorable. And he starts calling Bo-Katan a murderer and saying, oh, I, I know they've murdered everybody on that brig because that's what they do. Um, so he started trying to pit them against each other, I feel like, for me, from that moment. Um, so I just feel like he was just he was just playing, playing them from the beginning of that conversation knowing that if he went to Grogu and stayed there that he would get to Mando instead of Bo-Katan well after their little conversation they end up engaging in this battle and it was cool to see the Beskar stand up against the Darksaber um it turns out that Mando has to use his spear that he got from the magistrate that uh, Ahsoka gave him and this was something highly important, uh, including the battle against the lone dark trooper that Mando had to go up against. It wasn't until he shoved the spear up through the head part that it really Ugh. kind of deactivated. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about the dark troopers here in a second, but they engage in this battle, right? And, you know, I felt pretty confident that Mando was going to win this from the beginning, even being without his whistling birds and and things like that um but it was an interesting battle at the very end of this battle moff gideon says you're sparing my life well this should be interesting knowing the rule on mandalore knowing that bo-katan wants this dark saber and knowing the rules that mandalore has in place for the leadership for the throne and the rules of this dark saber um, and that's why in the ship on the way to Gideon's cruiser, Bo says, Moff Gideon is mine. He must surrender to me, things like that. But Mando doesn't know this. He's he's not familiar with the laws, with the rules of the Darksaber and of, you know, Mandalore. And so he wins this, takes the, takes the Darksaber, and they escort Gideon onto the bridge the main area where all of the other characters are. And there's an interesting interesting turn of events where Bo-Katan refuses to take the saber from Mando. So what did you think of this whole, this whole situation? I was very surprised by that. Just because of what we remember from Rebels. Um, and it's been a little while, but I feel like I remember... Sabine just kind of handing that thing over to Bo-Katan in the first place. Um, I don't remember them having a showdown for it or anything. And maybe they just decided to change, you know, how the Darksaber works. Um, or maybe something's changed since then. Um, in kind of the desperation and, and what it takes to to bring back Mandalore. I don't, I don't know um, if we're meant to, you know, kind of like... I know everything in, in Star Wars is meant to be very uh, continuity-wise. It's all meant to just fit together like a big puzzle, and it's not like not like the Harry Potter movies where 
you know, whatever happens in the book trumps whatever happens in the movies. <laughs> Wade is whining behind me. <laughs> um, but I mean, I would I would be able to accept if there was, you know, a change made. But I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. She just handed it over, right? We're changing the lore on how the Darksaber could be passed in, in this show. Uh, I, yeah, so I don't, I don't exactly know where they're going with this because I know that even with the first season of the Mandalorian with him always having his helmet on and that's the way of the Mandalore and that's, this is the way type thing. And then of course we, we knew that in the animated shows, true Mandalorians had taken their helmets off and it's like, wait a second, you know? And of course it's explained later about how he was, you know, a, an ancient way of the Mandalore and, and things like that. As far as just handing over the dark saber, you are correct. I actually watched that scene prior to our recording tonight. And there are a couple things that, that maybe make me feel like it's okay because Throughout the Clone Wars, we see that Pre Vizsla has it, and he loses in a challenge by Maul. Maul takes the Darksaber, he beats him in battle. But when Sabine has it, because I think Sabine has it, and she, or she, Gar Saxon has it, right? In Rebels, and then Sabine uses Ezra's lightsaber to go up against him, but then Ursa Wren shoots Gar Saxon. And so it's not a fair fight. It wasn't a fair fight. She should not have intervened, but she did. And so I'm wondering at that point if things changed a little bit because at the end of the first arc of season four of Rebels, Sabine has this Darksaber and she goes and she says, now I know why the Saber came to me. The Saber came to me so I could hand it to you. And they're talking about leadership and stuff like that. And Sabine's like, I'm not the only one that thinks so. And she she releases the ramp and you can see all of the other clans. And they all say that they support her and stuff. And she holds it up and she says, I accept this on behalf of my sister and on behalf of all the clans and or my clan or something and Mandalore. And she holds it up over her head and ignites it. So I don't know if there was some kind of change there or if all the clans were like, you know what, Maul had this, but then there was some sort of intervening with Ursa Wren and the battle between Sabine and Gar Saxon. I don't know exactly where the lines are going to be drawn with this, but she was given it. She didn't win it. Yeah. She did not win the Darksaber in a battle. So I don't know. I, I wonder too, they could play it in a way where... You know, Din Djarin is just a foundling, um, just as Boba's a clone. They're not true blood of Mandalore. Um, and we know Sabine was, and all the, like you said, all the, the people who were in support of Bo-Katan, as far as we knew, also were. Um, so I wonder if it's a little different, because Din Djarin is kind of sort of an outsider um, from, from Bo-Katan's perspective. So maybe you have to to technically you know win it over an outsider but it can be passed more peacefully amongst true-blooded yeah. mandalorians i don't know because sabine didn't win it from maul it was maul's he had won it from pre vizsla sabine while i think she was possessed by the night sisters on dathomir i think grabbed it 
I don't right. think she, I mean, she didn't win it from Maul, so I don't know. Yeah, it was just, I just remember her picking it up off the floor. I couldn't remember, yeah. like, what the situation was. So much Star Wars to yes. discuss. Like, <laughs> but that's what's great about it. We got to talk about Rebels and Sabine and the Darksaber oh, in this episode, know. you know? It's it's awesome. I, I love, really enjoy it. Love, oh, I love how much it's intertwining. It's it's yeah. so great. Everything that's coming into live action is making <laughs> me so excited. So anything that you need to, you know, bend or twist to make it, you know, more fun for live action, I'm okay with little details like that. If something changes, I'm sure they'll find a way to explain why it makes sense in the future. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about these dark troopers. So these dudes are nuts. We we. We did find out that they are droids. We got confirmation of that. We see them. We saw them in action in a few episodes prior, and they're unmanned. Um, and it takes them a little bit of time to power up. It takes them a couple minutes to get ready from their positioning because they draw so much power. They can't just be ready all the time. So it takes them a little bit of time. And the only person besides our our special surprise guest at the end of this episode that goes up against the Dark Trooper is Din Djarin. Only one of them, Jesse, makes it out of that door. And we got that showdown between Mando and a Dark Trooper. It was literally bashing his head into the wall. Repeatedly. Yep. Yep. Like, these things are nuts. They're insane. And Amanda was just reveling about how much she liked the music with the Dark Troopers. Ludwig Gorenson is, is amazing with his sounds. That music was so, so cool. That was one of those moments where I know you say it a lot in our podcast that the music is so cool that it, like, takes you out of it. Like, I, like, heard you in, in my head saying that as it was going. And I was just, like, excited <laughs> yeah. laughing yep. as the music was going. So I was like, this is just... Nuts. The coolest sounds yeah. I've ever heard. Getting you so amped and also so like freaked out for what these things are going to be. And then just in that one scene with just Dinjarin and the one trooper, it shows you really quickly just how A, strong Beskar is, but at the same time, how absolutely impossible the situation is going to be and how it doesn't matter that he has Beskar, even though he just, all it means is his head can't get crushed it. These things are still going to be impossible and something crazy was going to have to happen right there. You knew when he couldn't even take on the one barely, barely got past it. Well, we see Mando throughout the series take on a bunch of stormtroopers, Um, you know, countless stormtroopers he shot down. And this reminded me of like sort of the boss before the boss. You know how like you go up against... I don't know, some video games, you've got, like, the main boss, but then you got, like, another guy that's kind of like the boss. Yeah. Like, Bebop or whatever really... it is. Bebop and Rocksteady of the Ninja Turtles before you fight Shredder or something, <laughs> you know? Who's, like, also impossibly hard to get past, and it takes yeah. you a million tries, and then you have to hit the boss. <laughs> yep, <laughs> exactly. But that's what this Dark Trooper reminded me of. I mean, he shot his whistling birds at them. He tried to shoot it, which didn't have any effect. He lit it on fire, and the fire was just, like, emanating from the Dark Trooper's, you know, openings. Like, it just didn't really do anything. And he literally got his head punched repeatedly and sort of, like, indented himself in the wall. Um, And it wasn't until this Beskar spear made its appearance through the head 
that uh, that he was able to kind of take it down. But I mean, those things are nuts. He's able to defeat the one and send the other ones out into space. And I don't know about you, but when I first saw that, I was like, those guys are coming back. Those guys are going to come back. They're droids. They aren't going to die in space. And we've seen countless times, Chopper included, in the Clone Wars, we've seen <laughs> R2 and the other droids out in space. Even in Episode 1, R2's out on the ship fixing everything. You know, we, we've seen them use their thrusters to kind of go back on a ship and, and sort we... of create problems. Right, and just from a couple episodes ago with the Seeing Stone episode, we saw them, you know, launch themselves from the ship. They didn't come down in a shuttle. They just flew out. So we are, we knew that those things had the ability to fly. I think in that moment, I was just kind of hoping. I just wasn't expecting what we got. So when they flew out, I was like, okay, the only way from them to get out from here is that they are maybe like that programmed or they weren't ready to fly and there's no one left to tell them where to go now that they're out of the ship or something was kind of what I was thinking was going to happen. Um, or that it was just, just like they were going to be able to get out in time before the things figured it out. I don't know. I just wasn't expecting the solution that we got. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think if we didn't get the solution that we got, they'd all be dead. Everyone would be dead. But our our little group, our little crew is locked into the bridge. Moff Gideon's there. And the dark troopers, after they've returned to the ship, are literally punching, <laughs> punching the door <laughs> to get in. And they're on their way in. And this, you know, there's no way out of this. I was like, where's Boba Fett? He just left. Where's he at? Why He's going to come back and Boba Fett's going to save the day. We're going to see Slave One come out and do some kind of like crazy seismic charge that's going to like knock the ship off or something. Like that right. was that was where I was going with this. I don't know. What were you thinking at this at this moment? I was thinking Ahsoka because that's always what I'm thinking. So <laughs> yep, I was like, okay, yeah. well, she's the only like Jedi or like really strong, you know, I mean, I don't know what to call her. Like, you know, she's the, in this series, she's like the unbeatable character that we've been introduced to um, as far as, you know, the, what she's up, what she would be up against in this kind of a scenario. You need a Jedi to get through those things. Um, so that was my first thought is, okay, maybe Ahsoka does come back and changes her mind about Grogu and, and this is how this all ends. Um, but, but it wasn't Ahsoka. It was somehow <laughs> even more exciting. <laughs> yeah. The lone X-Wing makes its way into the ship. And at this point, you know, Amanda was like, oh my God, oh my God, it's the one X-Wing, it's Luke Skywalker. And I was like, well, hold on, they've tricked us before. Dave Filoni does this. He'll literally like <laughs> give us so something funny. and it's not someone else. I'm like, it could be Ezra. Ezra was around during the time of the rebellion. And while they didn't necessarily use X-Wings very much, it was more A-Wings and, you know, they had the B-Wing prototype and, and Y-Wings and things like that. You know, maybe... Maybe Ezra found some X-Wings or, or you know, Ahsoka. She's around during this time. Maybe she got an X-Wing 
And then, of course, we see the black cape with the hood and then the green lightsaber in the glove. It's like, well, that's Luke Skywalker. That is Luke freaking Skywalker right there. I just like that whole thing just was so slow in time for me. Like the 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 X-wing coming in, I still was right with you where I was like, it could be anybody. <laughs> Which I mean, thinking back, it's like no, it's of course it can't be. But I still was like, no, I because remember in like the last episode, I think I said that that would be the first character, or maybe it was a couple episodes ago. That would be the first character I could think that would make sense. That would that Grogu would be reaching out to on that seeing stone. But then in my next breath, I said, I don't think there's any way they would ever bring Luke Skywalker into the show. So that was thrown out of my head and I was totally not expecting it. So it literally took me until, even after I saw the cape, I was like, okay, it could still be Ezra. It could still be (laughs) just some other Jedi. Some random dude, yeah. Some other dude. We know it's not Ahsoka. I see no, you know, Montreal silhouette here. And then the green, and I was like, "They're they're doing this. They're doing this." And I just I just perpetually continued to freak out as yeah. things went on from Progressed, there. <laughs> yeah. Well, here was my whole thing with the Luke Skywalker appearance because I know what they've done in the past. They've brought characters back in. We saw the flashback with Luke and Leia in the Rise of Skywalker. We saw that they made a younger Leia at the end of Rogue One. And the whole thing with Peter Cushing as Tarkin in Rogue One, I mean, you could tell it wasn't necessarily real, but it looked good to me. I mean, it wasn't, like, totally awful. Like, I thought it I thought it was believable. But I just wasn't expecting, because Mark Hamill's still around, them kind of going that route by making him young again. I was not expecting that. And that, I think, was the biggest reason why I wasn't expecting Luke Skywalker because Mark Hamill's old. You're going to make a, a young Luke Skywalker have a prominent role in a show like this? How are they going to do that? Right. That was my thing, too. was like, they're not going to recast him. They're not going to... I don't know. I just... I guess I, I forgot that we've been CGIing everybody lately. <laughs> yeah. But... I'm just so glad they did. I know it's like, well, it's like, it was, it was actually really good too. Like the voice, like I would like to know how, like it was that Mark Hamill voicing it. And then they like younged, younged, (laughs) they made his voice (laughs) younger. (laughs) Cause Uh, he sounds a lot different than he sounded in in the originals because he's aged and everybody's voice ages too. So I wonder if he, voiced it because he did tweet the very next day he's like has anybody been watching anything good on tv lately um which either he's just excited or he was involved in some way well yeah i mean his name was in the credits okay i don't know but his they used his face so maybe he got credited for that (laughs) yeah but um steven stanton actually posted this today on I think it was today. Um, let me see if I can find the tweet here. Mm, Stephen, let's see here. Stephen Stanton. Okay. So he says, if you're wondering who doubled for young Luke Skywalker in the Mandalorian finale, it's British actor Max Lloyd Jones. 
Um, he did an amazing job, and you more than likely have seen him before in Project Blue Book, The Sandlot 2, and War for the Planet of the Apes. So you can see a picture of him if you want to go follow Stephen Stanton on Twitter, and you can see what he looks like. But I don't know what that means. Doubled for young Luke? Like, what did he do? Was he just in the costume, and they superimposed Mark's face? I don't know. I don't know what that means. That'd be my guess, because I feel like that's what they did for all the other times that we've seen, you know, like, we know that um, Billy Lord did that for Leia in the Rise of Skywalker scenes where Leia was young, and and I don't remember who the actor was that did it for Peter, um, for um, Tarkin, what's his name? Peter Cushing. I think Peter Cushing. We know somebody... Well, yeah, I guess somebody would have had to have done it, but I know for the most part, like, that was completely CGI. But I well, guess someone I, was standing there in an outfit. I remember watching some, like, behind-the-scenes thing where it's, like, a dude standing there, and he has all the little dots on his face, and there's all these crazy lights coming out from his head. So he's still there, and they CGI'd the face onto his face. So he probably was just the dude that was there yeah so they must have had some kind of way to get his voice to sound more like young luke's and stuff like that but that's still cool can you imagine they're them being like okay so you're gonna be luke um right. but we're just gonna like, like what <laughs> have you just kill a bunch of stuff and then um it'll be luke's face though it won't be your face so just wear all these dots and it'll be fun it'll be great <laughs> that's so cool though because that's yeah. such like an untouchable role that no one would ever think they would get to have a part in right but anyway we get luke on the ship just decimating effortlessly these dark troopers that could have just destroyed the entire ship and destroyed all the characters that we have grown to like over this season and in the previous season as well talking about how unstoppable they would have been and luke skywalker just comes in and it's like a cakewalk for him i mean didn't seem like he was having any problem at all so and we talk (laughs) all the time at least I do. I like to compare things to that scene at the end of Rogue One with Vader just decimating all of the rebel troopers. But this was kind of mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker's version of that. Just, you know, a lone man just taking out all of these things in front of him with his lightsaber deflecting shots and crushing things with the force. And it was awesome. Like his father before him. Exactly. <laughs> yep. I was surprised that he did like almost, I mean, these are droids. So, I mean, I don't think you can consider it dark sidey, but I was surprised that he like force crushed. It can't really be a choke because it's not alive, but he like force choked, crushed one of them towards the end. I was kind of surprised. Never seen Luke do something like that. I'm about it. That was awesome. Oh yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. So we get him up and he meets up with the rest of the characters in this episode. And I guess this answers our question about the path that Grogu chose. He he chose his path and he wants to continue to learn the ways of the Force. That's what it seems like. And that's why he's going with Luke. And, you know, Luke is the logical choice as far as the person to teach the Force at this point. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so while that's the logical choice, I still was just not expecting him to show up. But that's who we got. And that's amazing. And I think this scene at the end of this episode really impacted people. You know, Dave Filoni and John Favreau have this amazing ability to make us cry. <laughs> you know and it's crazy how <laughs> they do. do that they get us so attached to these characters i remember crying in, in rebels with sabine talking about her family and and anakin leaving his mom in episode yeah. one i still get emotional watching that stuff uh, music plays a big part of it as well just sad music going on right. but grogu leaves mando and before that happens mando takes his helmet off and and grogu touches his face and we know how big of a deal that is from season one he hasn't taken his helmet off for anybody no living being and then as we inch closer to this finale we get little snippets of a change in attitude with that and now he takes it off inches away from grogu and grogu touches his face before he goes with luke and not only that, but after he puts him down, he Grogu just sort of relatches himself onto Mando's leg. And it's like, all right, well, just take a knife. <laughs> just and rip just, my heart yep, out. Yep, that's it. I'm dead. <laughs> I know. It it was so it it was so sad for so many reasons because it it just felt like we know that the Mandalorian is continuing on for at least one more season but if Grogu is going with Luke I don't see a way at this time at least in my imagination which has been proved wrong about a hundred times in this show um I don't for right now see a way for him to come back into the picture um because Luke fails we know he fails. Right. Um, what if we know that the Ben Empire... kills them all? <laughs> oh, so you think Ben's gonna kill Grogu? Is that what you think? I don't know. Unless he was. That like, would be you... sad. It would be sad, and I'm not okay with it. But that is the first thing I thought. I was like, "Is Grogu? Is Grogu dead? Like, is that what this means? Because we know Luke fails. Either." He, you know, we know he got saved from the whole Order 66 thing because he's extra special baby somehow. We don't know how, but we know he did. So maybe something similar happens with, you know, when everything goes down between Luke and Ben. Um, We know Ben wasn't completely evil in that moment. Knowing what we know now, he hadn't completely turned. Um, So maybe he was like, everyone dies but Grogu. You cool. That's okay. You you stay alive. <laughs> yeah. Well, in I my I I'm wondering I, I too that. Yeah, I think I think everyone does at this point hope that Grogu survives. <laughs> but I'm wondering too if like what you were saying, if they still need anything from Grogu, the Empire. That is, maybe they will come after him and somehow take him or something again. I don't know. Maybe not. Think, it doesn't seem like those dark troopers are going to be much of a problem for Luke. I, For one, I hope that those dark troopers seemed like they were very difficult to make and were like, they made a big deal about whether they were ready or when they would be ready and how long they take to boot up. It, I feel like that's like a one-ops, like special f- 
special force that they had and that it just gave me a feeling that there's not a ton of those just on standby. So I kind of am thinking and, and hoping for our, you know, little group's sake here that that was it. That was those things were hard to make, took a lot of resources. The Empire probably doesn't have a lot of resources right now because they're kind of in disarray. I hope that that's like Luke has killed them and, and that's all we'll see of them because that would make sense. Yeah. Because I don't know how else we get in past them again because i don't think again i keep saying i don't think we're gonna see this and that but like obviously things are limitless in you know 2020 um in so many ways but i don't think we'll see luke again like this like i don't think we're meant to have i don't think when we do this with a character that they're meant to have a lot of screen time because they are it's obviously not even though it's a really great way to recreate that character it's obviously eh, there, eh, there's no are you trying to tell me this anyone. is the end of baby yoda yeah uh-huh <laughs> <Yep>. wow <laughs> how terrible is that such this popular character this I- iconic now iconic okay. character in all of pop culture is just gone i know i know i i will say I don't. I was talking to Brandon a little bit about it, and he thinks that because this baby is so, its age is so weird, um, and that the time that you know Rise of Skywalker, by the time that's all over, he couldn't be more than a hundred, and we know Yoda lives to be like nine hundred, so he could just still be a little baby that's just kind of off to the side, not participating in any of that stuff because <laughs> he a baby, yeah. and he could come into play later. Um, but I just don't. I mean, I hope I'm wrong because I'm having a really hard time coming to grips with the fact that if we go with Luke, that might mean that we're done with our baby. Um, but I just think that's what that means. Well, I brought this up during our last episode because the last episode, The Believer, was the first episode in the history of the show. Without the child, without Grogu, was that preparing us for the show to continue on Without this little guy, I don't know. Only one way to find out. But the thing I thought was interesting is, you know, Mando's like, he doesn't want to go with you. And Luke's like, well, he just wants your permission. And they say their goodbyes and everything. And then he puts them down. And then R2 comes out. R2-D2 makes his The Mandalorian debut. (laughs) And Grogu's like, ooh, cool, R2. (laughs) Mind mind melting. Mind melting. Cannot process. (laughs) Yeah, it was so cool to see R2 show up. That was awesome. I loved, too, that as, you know, Grogu is walking away and and as he's kind of, as Mando, as they're saying their goodbyes, that uh, Din Djarin says, don't be afraid, Um, which I just thought was so perfect. It's just so perfect, especially, too, because I feel like somebody has said that to somebody at some point. Um, Oh, um, Obi-Wan says that to R2. He's like, come here, my little friends. Don't be afraid. No, don't worry. He'll be all right. It, oh, I just, and too, because Ahsoka, um, you know, sensed much fear in him. Um, so that was something that the Mandalorian kind of knows is an issue for, for this path. If, if he has this fear harbored or this attachment harbored, he kind of learned all that from Ahsoka. So I thought it was really sweet that he told him not to be afraid. Um, and it just, 
makes Luke even more of a perfect teacher for him because we know from our other little green friend that Luke too had much fear um, that he had to overcome. So if Grogu can survive Luke's future failure, (laughs) then I do think that Luke is the perfect teacher for him in a lot of ways. Well, if Lucasfilm has told us anything, is that there's a lot of content coming. So who knows? Maybe little Grogu will show up in something else. Um, or maybe we'll get him back again in The Mandalorian next season. I don't know. I hope so. But uh, this episode ends, Jesse, and I thought it was a little strange. I was expecting an end credit scene just because I had heard through other fans that there was one. But one of the most exciting things about watching the mandalorian is that during the end credits they have the artwork right the concept art for that particular episode and i always look forward to that because i I really into art we used to sell art here at twin sons outpost and um you know i I, as you get older you appreciate a little bit more um and so i've really enjoyed watching all of the concept art at the end and we did not get that at all I was like, wow, this is really strange. There must be something really special about the end of this. You know, if they're not going to reward us for, uh, you know, with this concept art, there's got to be something awesome. And so for the first time ever, there's an end credit scene. I believe it's the first time ever on any Star Wars thing. Uh, It's typically a Marvel thing, but... um, we get Tatooine, Twin Sons. That was the first thing that we saw after the end credits, right? The Twin Sons of Tatooine. We mm-hmm. pan over to Jabba's palace, and we've got chubby Bib Fortuna on the throne. <laughs> and Fennec Shan just comes down the stairs, starts shooting people. And um, she's followed by Boba Fett, who retakes the throne. And again, the music in this scene. I don't know why. I, I rewinded it and watched it again just because of the music. Like, I, I don't know what it is about it, but there are just certain sounds when you put them together that Ludwig does just makes me so excited. <laughs> I loved how they shot this, too. Fennec just walks in the back and gets a drink and sits on the on the armrest of the throne, right? Um, shortly after, Bib Fortuna's like, McClunky, and then he gets shot. Um, <laughs> uh it was awesome, and I wasn't expecting what followed that. The Book of Boba oh Fett God. coming December 2021. A year from now, The Book of Boba Fett is coming to Disney+. Plus. Can you believe it? This is insane. Can you believe? I can't. I literally, I just am, this is like part of where my overwhelmness came from. Because after the credits, I didn't even think twice. I didn't think twice about the 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 artwork not being there nothing i was just my mind already felt melted from what we had just witnessed and i was processing and i was literally i don't know if you realized this eric from my text messages but i, I had did. just yep i did <laughs> I, just, I texted you and I, and i was like oh my god have you watched yet and then in the time before you answered me, I the, the the scene started coming in. I was like, oh, wait, wait, wait. I was like, I haven't seen it all. I better tell him that I haven't watched yet. And I was like, wait, apparently I'm not done yet. And then I just, I think my head exploded. Yep. Like I just. Major brain explosions everywhere. Yeah. 
Like I was ready to talk about it. And then, and then my mind completely melted. And I was like, I can't process all of this. This is insanity. It's so <laughs> exciting. They, they, they just like couldn't have done, they couldn't have introduced that. It, like, it's just crazy how perfect it was for them to be returning to Jabba's palace and just being the most B.A. characters that we've seen them, you know, get built into be in this past season. And the way they just took Jabba's throne, like, it's just too perfect. Too, too perfect. Got me so excited and hyped for whatever yeah. that is going to be. I don't care. Yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it's funny, too, because if you think about it from Lucasfilm's Lucasfilm's perspective, they just announced all of these new shows, all of these new exciting things for Lucasfilm and for the future. Watching fans just react to that, even online, like, oh my god, look at all this stuff that Lucasfilm is doing. It's insane. Ten new shows. It made it on the news and everything. Like, everything, everybody's talking about this. The stocks, which went flying up like crazy. Right. And then Lucasfilm's, like, sitting in the corner, like, <laughs> You don't even don't know. know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just that they've somehow every season, well, I, there's only been two seasons, but after kind of the first season where they did such a good job of keeping um, Grogu, Baby Yoda, a secret, they did such a good job of they're not making any merchandise. It was totally not leaked online, nothing like that. Um, we did hear a lot of leaks about this season, so I was feeling a little bit, I'm always a little disappointed when I feel spoiled about anything in any way. If it's not coming up in a trailer or being released as part of like a Lucasfilm published thing, I get a little disappointed when I hear that like Ahsoka's been cast. Like I, I love to be surprised. Uh, that's just me. But if you think about this season, even with all those little leaks, the, we had Bo-Katan leaks, we had a bunch of little leaks about everything in the middle. They still managed to pull out Luke Skywalker in the end equally as shocking as a cute little baby and then and then this this whole new season of show that they totally like you said left out of their just recent announcement like they somehow just found a new way it's i'm just i'm floored it's gonna be I a bunch of boba it. fett and fennec shand going on all these crazy missions messing people up i think it's gonna be pretty I know. cool so, lots to look forward to coming up. I, I just, too, I love that they, uh, I, don't, I don't know, maybe I should just stop talking. I just, it's just time and time again, this show has gone beyond my expectations of anything that I ever could have thought would appear in live action um, for Star Wars, as far as the story as we know it. So it just makes me so happy and excited for so much more excited even than I already was for all of these announcements um, that we've, you know, this is kind of the direction that things are getting launched off from. And it's so good. So it just makes everything that much more exciting. Typically at this point in our show, I ask you your final thoughts, but I, I feel like that does a pretty good sum up right there. Yep. With, uh, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of excitement and great things. 
I 100% agree. I think they're doing a fantastic job with this show. Season 2 as a whole just blew my brain off. I think it was amazing in so many aspects. A couple things that I thought were hilarious in this one. uh, With Cara Dune, she's like, one X-Wing. And then she says, like, great, we're saved. It's like, you are (laughs) saved. It's Luke Skywalker. You're good. Yeah, you're fine. Get ready, lady. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. I also thought it was funny that she's like, oh, my gun jammed, kind of like Luke Skywalker. The only other time someone has said their gun was jammed in Star Wars, I'm pretty sure referring to a blaster as a gun, was Luke Skywalker in Episode Four of the original Star Wars. So maybe that was a little bit of foreshadowing right there. Um, but I really, I really did enjoy what they were doing with this. Peyton Reed was the only director in this season that got to direct two episodes. He also directed episode two or, or chapter 10, the passenger. And so I, I was, I was very excited. I was very excited. I was surprised he got to do two when, when people like Dave Filoni and, and John Favreau directed one, Bryce Dallas Howard directed one and Peyton Reed, who had no episodes directed, no episodes in, in season one here in season two with two of them. So perhaps he's going to be a staple for the show. I thought it was, I thought it was great. So, um, if you've got any thoughts on the Mandalorian, uh, season two, the rescue directed by Peyton Reed, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can email us at twinsonsoutpost at gmail.com, or you can find us on social media. Jesse, where can they find us on social media? You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, all under the same handle at twinsonsoutpost. All right, and if you're looking for places to listen to our show, you can find us on our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. Click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side. You'll find all of our episodes there. You can also find us on the Star Wars podcast app through the Google Play Store and on iTunes. And if you enjoyed this episode and you think we're pretty wizard, go ahead and give us a good review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to episode 194 where we talked all about Chapter 16, The Rescue. We'll be back again next time. Of course, everyone here at Twin Sons wants to wish you and your families a very Merry Christmas. And we'll be back again the next week doing our 2020 Year in Review episode. And while there's been a lot of bad things that happened in this year, a lot of amazing things have also happened. So we're very excited to talk about all the great stuff we received in 2020. And Jesse, 2021 is going to start off with a bang because we're going to be getting at the beginning of January, our kickoff with the High Republic content. So lots to look forward to coming next year as well. Thank you so much, guys. We'll see you next time. And as always, may the force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Suns Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you, always.
I'll meet you at the rendezvous point on Halloween. Just don't do a murder to me, I think.